Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack, our weekly uh, comic book review podcast. My name is Matt. I'm Corbin. And I'm Jay. And uh, today's show is going to be a little bit different. Um, we all know that there is a lot of turmoil going on in the world right now, especially here in the United States over the events that took place in, in Minnesota. Um, and it's even kind of hit close to home here in Phoenix. So we're not going to... We're not going to give the news this week as, you know, comic book news. If you if you want the news, it, it's out there. You can go get it. Who are we to report on it? Um, I feel like what's going on in the world is is a bigger um, and a, of bigger importance right now than comic book news, than what's going on in pop culture, comic book land. But um, we had a long discussion before we started the show. About whether we even wanted to do the show today. Was it right to do the show? Was it right to to talk comics? Was it something, was it maybe disrespectful to the events that are playing out right now to do this show? And we all kind of discussed it, gave our opinions, and came to the decision that, you know, the events in the world are bigger than this show, but the show must go on. In an, in, in an industry where you are here to entertain and to um, bring people joy and maybe an escape, even though, you know, maybe it's now like, like it was referenced by one of our cast members. Now maybe isn't the time for you to escape the present. Maybe you need to be in the present. Um, we, we aren't the people to tell you how to feel or how to handle this situation. So we decided that the show must go on and in some aspects so we're gonna bring you comic book reviews for last week's um comics but we wanted to get that sentiment out in the first place that you know we're i think all of us i mean i don't want to speak for any of the other guys but i think all of us are right there with the sentiments that are being felt and voiced around the country as we speak and i know we here in Phoenix, there's been looting and rioting, and we've now just put on a lockdown, uh, uh, well, a, a curfew, an 8 p.m. curfew, and it's it's a terrible situation that that's going on right now. And just know we are out, our our thoughts and sentiments are out there with everyone. We are, we're very much aware of what's going on in the world, and I, I feel like I'm just rambling now because I don't I want to get that sentiment across, and I'm not really sure how to do it, but. Okay. We we decided that the show, as a collective, that the show must go on because, you know, everybody deserves an escape, whether you need it from reality or, or what. So, and, I mean, with with really what's going on right now, it's rooted in in comics. The sentiment is rooted in comics. You you can look at V for Vendetta. You can look at the Watchmen. You can look at the X Men. There's a lot of sentiment in a, a lot of you know art imitates reality or, or imitates life going on in the world right now. And, but with that said, I mean, I'll let either one of you guys say something if you want to kind of get your voice across. But other than that, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into doing re- reviewing comics. Uh, Cause that's what we're here for. And that's what people watch the show for. But like I said, I just wanted to get that out of the way saying that the news and, and what's happening in the world is bigger than any entertainment or any comic book industry news that we could bring you right now yeah what, what do you have anything to add Jay? 
I don't, man. I think Matt said it pretty I, well. I was going to say the exact same thing. I think I think we get it now. We're, we're good. But all right. Let's take a somber note and let's crank this bitch up to 100. <laughs> all right. And let's fucking let, let's go. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess real quick, I, I want to start off with with a book. Um, well, that maybe that's in bad taste. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk Avengers thirty three. Sounds like a plan. Avengers thirty three. Uh, it saw. I I told Corbin this yesterday. We were hanging out um, with our buddy Chad Solo Wookie, and I was saying that Marvel clearly has big things coming for Moon Knight, and I think this issue here kind of shows that uh this issue you see moon knight as there's something big at play where he needs power and you see this issue follows him going through it and trying to collect that power you see him face off against danny rand the iron fist you see him face off against uh t'challa black panther you see him face off against thor shows Something something is going on where, where Moon Knight needs to obtain power. So this issue follows him going to try and obtain that that power. What what did you guys think of this issue? I mean, first thoughts, um, I loved the cover. Mateo Scalera and Rochelle Rosenberg did a great job on it. Um, the creative team uh, artistry was uh, by Jason Keith. And I really enjoyed um, just the whole... B- total look of the book i didn't start from there it got my attention it was one i was going to grab without even really knowing the storyline aside from knowing that moonlight was a big character in it now um jason aaron did a great job of not only writing as well as uh, javier garon not only in just writing it and getting each person's uh like and it's understated but moon knight is a character with many layers many different personalities each one distinct and separate from the other and to have that in his own language and own feel that you knew as it was going okay, now we're talking this person, now we're talking that entity, was really interesting to me. And I love the fact that they built up Moon Knight in this book as an unknown threat right now, but more of a slow burn. You know, we, we still don't know his true intentions. We know a little bit more. We got some crazy revelations about uh, Moon Knight and Thor and how that all comes together. But it built up on each other with each page with like a sense of foreboding and a sense of, oh, what is going on right now? Obviously something's wrong. But what is it? And as Moon Knight came into in, um, into contact with different Avengers, we start with Danny Rand. We go down to um, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, the Black Panther. As he's getting in contact with each character, they're feeling the same confusion that we are as a reader going, okay, something's not right. Well, what is it? And what's going on? And I really like that sense of place that the creative team did between the imagery and the artwork in general, imagery and, and the writing in general to really get you there to, to, to what looks to be a very, very promising storyline here with uh, the age of Kanshu. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Moon Knight has actually had that great. I mean, um, Jeff Lemire, who's normally an awesome writer. I, I didn't really even care for his run on Moon Knight um, recently. And I don't, he has this character just, no one has really s- seemed to be able to really do something with him as a hero. And as I think as a villain, which is what I believe what he started out as, um, I think it, it works. 
somehow. And as much as I like Moon Knight as a hero, I like I just like the character. Um, I think it really works as a villain, and I think finally he's poised to make a mark, um, good or bad. But he's he's back in a big way, and we see him use a lot of um, like Conchu Conchu's powers that he's never used before. Um, you know, he's never summoned an army of dead. He's he was never able to like absorb people's um, powers in the in these relics. Um, but he does um, a lot of people. You know what's funny? A lot of people I've seen it read where people have. Um, articles were you know best superheroes with without you know that that don't have superpowers and you know people put batman and and they put moon knight but moon knight does have powers he derives powers from the moon and they mentioned it so like in the moon cycles when the moon is fullest is when his, his power is greatest and they talked about here where the the night he's doing all this is like the night of the biggest super moon I think that like the the earth has seen, I don't even know how, what he said. He said like in, in thousands of years. So he, he he's picking his moment and he's, you know, that's when he's doing it. And I thought it was awesome. I love, you know, Matt messaged us. He's like, you guys need to read Avengers 33. And I had it, but it was kind of towards the middle of the stack. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll move it up. And oh my gosh, and <laughs> it was really great. I, I, I really enjoyed it. No, it is. I'm with you. And honestly, I was going to say you touched on Moon Knight. You know, he's one of those characters that he somehow attracts like top tier talent without like being like a top hero, you know, for Marvel. Like he's one of those guys along with Daredevil that's just like, you know, a really solid, I wouldn't put in, like the first five, six Marvel heroes I'm thinking of, but one that's kind of like that second tier that's really cool. And aside from like, for me personally, the Doug mentioned uh, uh, Skeen, uh, Sign Keswick run, um, which was really just the early part from like Moon Knight 1 through like 2.30. That was really the only story I could think of that like was dark, gritty. You had that feeling of power, that feeling of terror, um, but building up an anti-hero that existed in the Marvel Universe but wasn't like in line with the rest of those other notable characters from it. And so you're right, I kind of feel like I return to that here where... Mm -hmm. It just feels different, you know, especially juxtaposed with these other heroes he comes in contact with. It's startling to have, you know, carefree, you know, wisecracking Danny Rand and Moon Knight who's playing no games. He's like, I know. you know, it was yeah. that part, you know, and again, it was just like uh, Matt had said, like, check it out. I was like, okay, I was already planning on it anyway, but now I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I did. And, and yeah, it, it's something else. I, I have no idea where it's leading to, but uh, what are you thinking, Matt? Especially that Thor scene. What, what was about that? I was just like, shoot. Well, I mean, I, I love this issue so much because you you have a a Moon Knight character who's who's normally in our in our circles or our community when you're in a comic book and you're in a comic shop, he's compared to Batman. He's he's the the psychopathic Batman. Like he's got multiple personalities. You know, they they consider him a psychopath, and he's so he's so compared to Batman in a lot of circles. And to see him, if it, I don't, I don't want to say it, and it almost isn't a very Batman way to systematically go through some of the Earth's mightiest heroes in in Danny Rand Iron Fist and take the Iron Fist power away from him. He goes and he fights Doctor Strange and takes his Sorcerer Supreme power away from him, you know. And then he goes and he he fights T'Challa to a stalemate. Who says, 
you know, our power, my power derives from my blood. It's in my blood. You can't take that from me without killing me. So I'm just going to go with you. T'Challa gives up and goes with Moon Knight to, for whatever reason, he takes out Ghost Rider. He goes and he takes Ghost Rider's power and then he fights Thor on the moon. And it's not like he fights him. He mollywops Thor on the moon. (laughs) And to the point where Thor throws Mjolnir at him. And it's very much like the scene of Thor Ragnarok when Thor throws his hammer at Hala and she stops it. Moon Knight does that. He stops Thor's and Mjolnir from flying at him. And, and then he drops the knowledge on it that, you know, yeah, Odin gave you this weapon and it's whoever wields it gets the power of Thor. But what you don't understand is that this weapon is made from basically it's made from moon rocks. So, you know, I control this weapon too. And he starts wielding Mjolnir and he beats Thor down with it. And I mean, again, he, he mollywops him in space with it. You know? Yeah. And then as and then the final shot of the book is one of my favorites when he's he's bowing down and I don't know how to say Kenoshu is is standing there telling him that the next phase is about to begin. And Malnir is just floating around him. You know this this book was is, is I mean as far as an Avengers book go it was it was something else because not only do we get a new origin for Malnir, but Moon Knight got a huge boost in in power and it it's very evident to me by the announcement of a Moon Knight TV show for Disney Plus and just the the direction they went in this book. There's big things coming for Moon Knight, and they want you to know they don't want him to be an under-the-radar character anymore. They want mainstream people to know the name Moon Knight, and mm-hmm. and they want you to know this character, and it, it's very evident by this issue. And this is a way to build it up. They're definitely going out of their way. I'm Like I said, I'm intrigued to see how this all comes together, but yeah, that was... What a start. What a start for us, like, I know. I know last week when we did this show, Avengers 33 wasn't even on my radar. I think I said pass when we did buy our pass on it. But just kind of like the hearing the, the rumblings of what was going on with, with Moon Knight and stuff, I was like, I got to check this out. And I read the issue, and that's when I was like to you guys. I was like, look, you got to check this out because this is, this is game-changing. And I think this issue could be game-changing for the character and the Avengers as a whole moving forward. I'm, I'm super excited to see where this, this goes. Definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Let's just say that it, it, it was a book. I wasn't even going to pick up the cover got me. And again, I already kind of gave a shout to the artwork done by again, Mateo Scalera and Rochelle Rosenberg, but I saw the book. I kind of picked up my own things. And as I looked, I went, well, let me give one more look at this one. And I'm like, okay, I didn't mention the Avengers. And I was like, we talked about it on the show. And I remember mentioning that Moon Knight had my interest because it's been a while. And if he's going to be like, the signature character in the storyline, why not? Looked at this, and it's just a beautiful book, and I went, yeah, I'm just going to grab it. And sure enough, I'm just glad I did. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been that great, to be honest with you. It's, it's been all right, but this is, this is definitely one of the better issues of this new volume. So what, from one to five, what do you guys give uh, Avengers 33? Yeah. <sighs> That's a good one. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jay go first. <laughs> well, to be honest, um, I'll 
I, okay, so it's hard to to say I give it a five um, is is difficult because I want to, but like you know, that's that's total perfection in a book, and um, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a four point five, um, just because like I'm just it was it was intriguing and it was captivating and and like um corbin was saying the art was fantastic but it was pretty much a setup issue nothing really like hit me like emotionally at all um it's just it was it's the beginning of something huge and i i just i want to see where the rest of this goes and so to give it a five seems a little bit premature so i'll, I'll go with 4.5 I, I'm going to go four. I give it a four. It's a fantastic setup issue. And Moon White, Molly, Moon, Moon White, Moon White, Moon Knight, Molly Wap and Thor had me kind of like, uh, okay, I see you. I see where this is going. So I think it's a setup issue. It's good. But as a longtime Marvel fan, I am also very weary on mm. that fact. And I know how these big event books go. Um, so we'll see how this pans out moving forward. It's, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. four, as a standalone issue, I thought it was a good issue. Uh, I'll give it a four, but I'm not going to go much higher because I'm cautiously optimistic. I kind of want to split the difference there, but I wouldn't know between four and 4.5. Not really great math, my strong suit. Not <laughs> that. But um, I'm going to go take the undergo of four as well. Because just like Matt referenced, I was... Gonna go with Jay, and the funny thing is that Jay talked. I had a four point five originally, but in Jay listing his four point five, talked me out of my four point five, and then <laughs> was on as well because you're right. Like these intros have been brutal. I mean, I mean, not the intros. The stories in general have had a few with Marvel where they peak your interest and then give you a major letdown. This was a surprisingly stronger peak of interest than normal, but I'm hoping it's just not just not as big a letdown. And for that, I say, you know what. I'm gonna give it a four. But judge it on the book itself. You know, what I mean, if we're judging on the projections, moving on. Take it with a major grain of salt because we know how these books can get. But standing on its own merits, if I was going to stand this book up on its own and say, this is just one singular story that leads that if you're interested, you want to take more, I would give it a four and a half because I left this book thinking, okay, where's the next one? And that's honestly yeah. what you got from it. So, uh, I, you know, I talk myself back to a 4.5 because, again, I'm just I'm not grading it on what's to come. I'm just grading on what it is and what it is, the pretty decent book for Marvel. Yeah, but um, right. I guess I'll pick up the baton and swing over to mine. Uh, the key book I read this week was uh, Batman 43, or not Batman 43, Batman Beyond 43, my mistake. Um, and just running through um, the creative team, obviously Dan Jurgens and Sean Chen have been the team up for this book for a while now. And um, I've enjoyed it. I've said this many times. We concluded the mystery of Batwoman. Um, Terry McGinnis had memory loss uh, for a number of issues. Um, due to false face and blight being involved. And he um, finally got back. Batwoman rescued him. He got his identity back. Boom. However, blight brought the fight to the Batcave. And although we assume that he uh, met his demise in that previous issue, now we're left with the ruined Batcave. Batmobile destroyed. What happens? Well, Bruce, of course, has a contingency plan in place and takes them to what, if I remember correctly, 
It's called the Bat Suite, um, which is basically like say there are technology, false doors, holographic projections to make it look like um, almost like a nod to uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, where they felt like they were kind of run into a wall and the wall was holograph. That's like a lot of what is built of that Wayne Tower that um, Bruce has like a backup plan. So you have the Batmobile, I mean, not the Batmobile, the Bat Suits, everything's up there. Terry McGinnis is now back as Batman Beyond. So that's fine. Um, as for the mystery of Batwoman, uh, that's already been solved. It was the daughter of uh, Dick Grayson and his uh, late wife, um, and that was Elena. Um, and right now, there's only a couple scenes with her uh, talking with both Dick Grayson and also Barbara Gordon, where basically she wants to continue to wear the suit. She wants to be Batwoman. She's moved to help. Um Dick Grayson's like, no, it's not going to happen. I want you to live a better life than I did. Um, me and your mother decided a long time ago that wouldn't be the case. And Elena walks off in a huff. And then Barbara's like, listen, I understand what you're saying. But, you know, unfortunately, you and, and your wife, she's gone. So you kind of have to let her live her own life. And then Barbara goes and tells Elena that, listen, you know, I understand you want to be that woman. I'll do what I can to make that happen. That closed that chapter for that segment. We know Elena's going to figure more into these books. Um, it was pretty much a simple continuation into a new storyline uh, for this one, obviously closing out the Blight one. Terry's back. He's basically stopping some um, data tech thieves. Pretty simple stuff. Um, however, in the midst of that, and in there's a couple of tremors there. One, he's using all the stops. Terry's tired of having his mind taken over. He's tired of people taking over. He is like being a lot more aggressive with these minor crooks than even Bruce is like, yo, you can, you only should be using those razor sharp batarangs for like level 8.5. And Terry's like, no, they're getting all this. And he's like being brutal. Like he kicked one dude. And as he kicked him, he turned on the jet propulsion, like from the bottom of his boots to really send the guy like flying. And these guys are thieves, but they're, they're not superpowers. They're just thugs. Um, and they're getting the business in the middle of this, like just as Terry's almost scarily having fun with all of this going, oh, yeah, I'm back. It's like, this is me. You know, he gets taken, um, just grabbed up by this giant um, beast. And the beast actually turns out to be the dragon Goliath, um, who was uh, basically a, a dragon that was um, the protector of the scepter of the kings and Beila. Um, he was an infant when Damian Wayne who um, upon the year of the blood he entered and he basically bonded with Damien from then. And so um, he's been with him and, and kind of depending on what um, continuity, what book you're reading has figured as has figured in as a bigger or smaller part of Damien Wayne's um, life. But in this one, when they see him, everyone goes immediately, Oh, Damien Wayne is, is in the building. What's what's going on. And in Batman beyond Damien Wayne's, um, his story is different because it's almost like he he runs. Um, he he's kind of over the League of Shadows. Um, he um, had a rivalry with Terry McGinnis because he's kind of jealous. He's Batman's actual son, and yet Terry in this universe has a better relationship with Bruce, which made him mad. He had one storyline where he's like, "You know what? Forget this. Like, father, he sucks. I'm gonna kill him just to show you that you need to forget him." And so he does this where he he goes off and decides to um, take care of Terry McGinnis. And he had left, he, he'd, he'd become estranged from Batman because he was a, like tired of Batman's narrow-minded focus on Gotham. And everyone who reads Damian Wayne knows that he's a lot more ambitious, a lot more, you know, uh, multifaceted than just one spot. Once Raish died in the Neo-Gotham Batman universe, Damian became the demon of the League of Shadows. And obviously, he's one of the top fighters, if not the most effective combat fighter in the DC universe. He has that issue with Terry. They end up making up. They have a respectful alliance. And they're like, listen, you know what? You're here. 
I'm going to go back and make sure the League of Shadows is in good hands. And that kind of closed out Damien's run with Batman Beyond and how he figured into this. However, as Batman's following Goliath, because Goliath grabs him up and Batman's like, are we about to fight? Because I'm ready to fight because Terry is on one right now. But then he sees pretty quickly with the help of Bruce that Goliath the Dragon is not there to actually do any um, fighting. He's there to lead Terry somewhere. And he takes um, Terry down to this, like, I guess like this cave, like this building, this old kind of barn. And there in the graphic, you can see um, Goliath holding what looks to be Damian Wayne's kind of broken body. Um, and you could see Batman like, oh, geez, like, oh, wow, that's that's Damian. What happened there? And that closes the book um, of, of Batman Beyond number 43. Now, what I liked about this, again, I've loved Sean Chen's writing on this. I just enjoy the way that Batman Beyond's presented. I love the uniform. Obviously, the black and red's great, but it's just striking the way he does it. He emotes better under this. Um, than I've seen in other books before that represent Batman Beyond. So I give major props to Sean Chen. Love Dan Jurgens' writing. I think he gets Batman Beyond enough. He uses the word shui in at least every book, and I enjoy that. And then for me, <laughs> um, leading into this, I'm intrigued by the storyline because obviously, you know, Damian Wayne is involved. That means that something in the storyline is going to involve the League of Shadows. And knowing, you know, from previous books, that the new leader, his name is Zero, he's the guy who more than likely did this to Damian Wayne. So now it's like, okay, we're teaming up Terry and Damian to stop the League of Shadows, but wh whoever beat Damian that badly, in this case Zero, is probably a pretty formidable opponent. And how that ties into this new storyline, what about that brand new Batwoman who's ready to get back into the wings? It seems that we're going through like a new infusion of youth for this Bat family and Batman Beyond. And I'm excited to see where it goes. So, I mean, it's a solid book um, for a book that had to carry on a new storyline from the last one. I like enough of the nuggets of different threads that can be tied back into later between Batwoman, between Terry's aggression, between the inclusion of Damian Wayne, between the end of the Batcave and the birth of Batsuite. There's enough there that I'm ready to kind of see what Jurgens does to tie in all these threads. Then I give this book a four as well. Um, it's a solid read. Gets you to where you need to go. It kicks off a new storyline. And this is where we're at now with these comics now between Avengers and Batman Beyond, where we're kind of retaking you back. We're bringing you back. You guys caught, you good with me? Okay, now we're going to go here. And for that, uh, I give it a 4.5. There you go. 4.5. Wow. That was a very inspired speech, Corbin. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was prepared there. I had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Blacked out a little bit. I did. Got a little excited. <laughs> got overcome. Oh, wait, what was I talking about again? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Am I awake? Um, do you have any uh, anything you want to talk about, Jay? Like any any books you want to um, stand alone that we don't all have? Um, yeah, I read um, Nick Spencer and uh, Ryan Otley's uh, Amazing Spider-Man number forty-three, which is um, the True Champions arc part three and it's it's conclusion and it's been a really you know under nick spencer amazing spider it's been okay um i've you know amazing spider-man is a, a book i think i mentioned this to you guys before that i i'll just keep reading whether it's good or bad it's just one of those things where i'm just gonna i'm in there for the long haul and um so good or bad i'm, I'm always there but um, I, you know, I've had my my um, my complaints uh, about 
some of these um, story arcs. And um, True Champions was is basically, like I said, it's three parts. Three parts, so it's pretty short. Um, it pretty much follows um, a, a monster named Gog. So Gog wa- is a, an interdimensional uh, being, and he he was on Earth before, and um, he, he he tangled with Spider Man and. Spider-Man um, and Mr. Fantastic, because um, he was this, he was huge, and um, Spider-Man and and Reed Richards um, g- injected him with with pim particles and um, shrunk him down to like the size of like a, a dog or like a little puppy, and they um, blasted him off back into the dimension where he's from. Well. While he was at that other dimension, the, the family, because he, he's pretty much like a dog. He's like, you know, all he's looking for is companionship. And he, he's looking just to be loyal and, and loved. And it sounds, it sounds really dumb. Um, but um, so he goes back to the family that originally owned him, which was caught in the middle of like this, this war, this intergalactic war. And the, the family that, had him had this this relic that is supposed to give um like godlike power and the the it was, this was causing this this war in this other dimension and the 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 person like smashed the relic into a million pieces and well not a million but it was several pieces and they told gog to protect one and they sent him off and he well gog basically made his way back to earth and he was hiding in a sewer guarding this relic and um spider-man and boomerang uh caught wind that uh kingpin was going after this relic so they they decided to go after it first and they found gog down there protecting it and they they took it they tried to take it from him to uh protect that relic they didn't want to get in the hands of kingpin or anybody else so while they were doing this you know of course gog grew into this monstrous size and was wrecking new york and they realized boomerang and spider-man realized that he was actually kind of just uh like a like like i was just saying he he just wanted like a companionship he didn't seem evil he just seemed like he was protecting this part this 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 relic and anyway they 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 tricked him into it shrinking down to size and they they fit him with this um like this collar so he doesn't use the pim particles to expand and, and grow like the size of like you know two or three city blocks and um they 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 decided to like um you know they were playing around with him and boomerang was like you know throwing his boomerangs at him they were playing catch <laughs> so dumb it sounds so dumb but this it was it served as like such a palate cleanser from all like the darkness that has been going on that i actually like like kind of liked it so instead of like you know killing it or blasting it off making it somebody else's problem they decided to like i said fit him with the the inhibitor collar and they took him home to their apartment and now he's like their pet (laughs) so wait peter parker and boomerang are roommates yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, they have been for like a for a little while. So yeah, so they they took him and now he's he's their pet and he's like Gog is like super happy because they showed this the whole his whole like story and and that's like all he really wants. He just wants to like be with people and be you know loved and and loyal and now he is that with Peter Parker especially. So I know it, it sounds really dumb, but man, I really needed this. I really needed a story like this. Like so it. there you go. So um, you know the the art was a lot of thick lines on the art, um, I, but I gave it a three point five. Okay, I'm with that. Five, huh? Yeah, because you know it was it was heartwarming. But that's kind of about it, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, if I want, you know, it, it's almost like if you want darkness, you, you would have read Venom. Yeah. You know, and if you want darkness in your Spider Verse, go see the new Venom issue because that's got it. <laughs> that's got what you need. Yeah. You think so? Kinda. Yeah. Wasn't the brightest book in a bunch. Did you did you think differently? Apparently, uh, Matt. Did you want to, want to share what you thought? Yeah. So, Venom twenty five. Here's a yeah variant cover. Love that cover. Venom twenty five. Um, you you it kind of dis- displays a different uh, light to Eddie Brock, where Eddie Brock it, it opens up on him talking, and you think and it, it feels very much like he's talking to the reader, like he's talking to you. Until you realize later on down the line that he's actually talking to the Avengers. But he's he's explaining the situation. He's explaining the situation with Null and what's coming. And he he expresses regret. He expresses regret for his hatred for Peter Parker. He expresses his regret for some of the things he's done as Venom, you know, and with the symbiote. And he expresses regret everywhere, you know, for everything he's done up until this point. And He's kind of talking to the Avengers to get them on his side to warn them about Null to to get him to to help him fight and he expresses that he hasn't been the best father you know and to his son and he kind of has a whole um, I don't want to say out of body experience but he's you know he's been taken over by the Carnage symbiote so his his son kind of like uses his special powers that still haven't really been established on what the hell they are, but his yeah. special powers to kind of break through the, the mental um, jail or, you know, well, mental prison that the carnage symbiote has, has Eddie Brock's consciousness in to kind of con- to talk to him. And they're, you know, he's expressing that to get out of there. I never wanted this life for you, you know, and he's expressing all this stuff to, to his son as well. And his son, you know, kind of, kind of separates the, helps him separate the two symbiotes and, you know, Eddie chopped his hand off and his, his symbiote's talking to him and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I never meant for this to happen. And Eddie asks his, his symbiote to repair his, his hand. And he's like, I can't repair that much damage, but I can help you out. And his, his symbiote attaches to him to form his hand. So he's kind of got that symbiotic hand now, and he's he's asking the Avengers for help fighting Null. And I thought the issue, I I really liked the issue. I thought it was it was a quick quick read for me because uh, I was enjoying it. I enjoyed kind of the the little bit more um, lack of explanation. I guess you're getting a little bit forward, but kind of lack of explanation as far as kind of what uh, 
Eddie Brock's son's powers are. I guess he can control symbiotes because he turns his symbiote into a giant uh, T-Rex. So I guess that's only that's only some of it, but there's still a lot to to his uh, his symbiote's um, powers that you're not really, uh, you know, you don't really understand yet. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes forward. But I liked I liked him talking to the Avengers. I liked him pretty much saying, you know, I regret everything I've done, and I know nothing can change that, but I want to make better for it in the future. Um, I like. You know, just it gets you caught up, and I thought it was a good, a good uh, final issue to the Venom Island um, before the the null stuff, the null event kicks off here uh, this later this summer, or who knows? Since the whole shutdown and everything's behind now, um, who knows where that's going to go? But um, yeah, I love the art. Bagley's art is fantastic, except for his yeah. his. Uh, his uh, depiction of the Avengers. That's a little, uh, it was a little goofy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was it, like, I think, you know, his artist, like this shot, this opening page of, of Eddie Bro- up on Eddie Brock, the close up on Eddie Brock. Like it's a beautiful shot. The mm-hmm. beautiful picture. And yeah. then you get to, um, you get to the shot where, He's talking to the actual Avengers, right? <laughs> like, it's just it's so... Wonky. It's just so disjointed. Yeah, it's just so bad. Like, he's he's talking to the yeah. actual Avengers. The actual That's Avengers. It. And uh, it is right here. Yeah, it's kind of ugly. I can see it from here. Look how bad. Like, look at, look at Captain she Marvel's, like, dirt face. Bad. Captain Marvel, my manager. I mean, look at look at Ghost Rider. He's it, it looks like it's drawn by Liefeld. It looks like someone was like, "Say cheese," and he just gave like some like shitty, shitty eating grin in the background. He almost looks like he's photo bombing and and like look, look that doesn't even look like Thor. Right no, looks like an old man in Thor costume. You know, and like look at it's like Black Panther is like missing half of his face almost. It's got a very Darth Vader thing going on, and yeah, that's you know, how you know it's done wrong. Because a few of them that have, when you do Black Panther, you shouldn't look like Darth Vader in black. Tony, <laughs> Tony Stark looks kind of derp too, and even though he's in the Iron Man outfit, but then like you, and it almost feels like I don't know if he was having an off day or if it was like a, it almost feels like it's a guest artist because then when you turn the page and you go to this splash page of Null, it's like fantastic, awesome. yeah. you know. So. But I thought it was a fitting end. I thought it was a good. It was a good setup. You you kind of see the the Vinium, the Carnage symbiote craw, uh, crawl off and kind of take the form of a shark and you know take off at the end. So it's getting ready to kick off the the null event that's coming up. So I thought it was a it was a good it was a fitting end to um, that story arc. And so I I'd give it a three five. What did yeah, you guys think of it? I really liked it. Um, I wasn't going to pick it up, and then I, I saw the the cover, and I'm like, oh, and, and it's kind of 25 is kind of a milestone issue, so I'm like, oh, I'll pick it up, even though I haven't been reading a Venom much since um, the whole uh, Carnage crossover uh, stuff. Yeah, the absolute Carnage stuff. But I picked it up, and I thought it was really great. Like. You know, Matt was saying the art was awesome. Um, the Avengers looked a little bit funny, but there's some great, you know, splash pages and there's some 
awesome shots of you know t-rex and that carnage and carnage fighting and um it was cool you know i i, I like the part where carol danvers was like like the beard eddie you know yeah like whoa whoa <laughs> there <laughs> um so it was cool yeah it was neat a fun read and um, art was great writing was great um dialogue i thought was awesome man that whole monologue of eddie brock's was so good um so yeah i i would i'd probably give that a i'd probably give it a 3.5 too so, more I, on the, maybe I mean, more on the side of a four that's kind of what i was getting i don't think i would go with the like dark because i don't think it was it was dark. It felt more like a, uh, I wouldn't say redemption, but discovery, self-discovery issue. Like, I don't know, maybe that's not even the right term, but self -realiz well, by the darkness, self-realization uh, that, yeah, that the majority of it, in the past is, was, was wrong in that, you know, he's used the symbiote. He, he makes a comment that he's been on both sides, good and evil. And he kind of makes the comment that he understands that, they have no reason. The Avengers have no reason to trust him. Yeah. So, which, I mean, which is, which is kind of true in a lot of ways. But my my whole thing with the darkness comes at at the very end. They're like, not all of us are going to walk away from this. Yeah. Kind when of he, thing, when he says know? that you know you got to be, be basically says you got to be prepared to lay down your life because not all of us are going to walk away from this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what the foreboding. Yeah. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> but. But that, but that kicks off the speculation game of who is going to die in in this null event that's coming. That makes you know that this null, whole null thing is going to be way bigger than we thought. So, Yeah, that's true. It's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together. Um, I thought it was decent. Like the dialogue, as Jay said, thought the arc was uh, hit or miss. Um, like a couple of books that just great pages one time and you could say where they ran out of time with the other ones um <laughs> like three and a half it was good it wasn't like great it wasn't memorable um like the cover that you had matt did not get that one but that was pretty sick um okay so i guess i'll share the next book i read justice league 45 um uh art writing by robert venditti art uh art by eddie barrows and then the cover was francis manipal which that was okay wasn't you know was what it was it was justice league um if you're picking up, it's picking up where it was left off in Justice League number 44, um, which basically the super team they were called in from Aquaman uh, to provide reinforcements in Antarctica. Um, there was a bunch of mythical beasts that had to be put down, or not put down, but they've been released from um, Tartarus, which is a mystical prison um, that they had emerged from, and so they had to put them, they had to put them down. But right when they get there, it turns out that it's more than just those beasts that they have to deal with. They have to deal with DC Spirit of Vengeance, the Spectre. Now. The Spectre manifests himself, made himself known, and then he proceeded to infect every member of the League with the rage that they took out each other. Like, Batman never liking Superman for, you always been so out and about, like, you're better than everyone. And Superman going, I'm better than everyone, you're the one with secrets. Like, all the stuff they already think about each other. One woman saying, you have commitment issues to Aquaman. Aquaman saying, who are you talking about commitment issues? Like, they're having issues, and they randomly just start fighting between each other like everything like if i had wow. real deep feelings about you and all of a sudden I'm like you know what forget you and i boom that's what's happening so there's a couple of really cool pages where they're just fighting um and at, there's one face-off where batman and superman are flying into each other to fight and you can see the specter in the background going vengeance is mine and it's just you know like they're like it's like a civil war-esque type of piece here where it's like, no, nah, no, nah, we we about to we about to clash. Um, and they do they have a couple of good pages where they fight, but it turns out that the issue is 
the fight is really just a, a manifestation of a problem that's even bigger than that, which is that now the Spectre is without a host. Where's Jim Corrigan? Who's the guy who is the physical embodiment of the Spectre? Well, he's gone. And since he's gone, the Spectre is, is angry. And since the Spectre is unable to release his anger, it grows even more angry. It's like the reverse Hulk. And so it affects those the Avengers with it. And so now it's like, okay, we need to get Spectre, or we need to get Jim Corrigan and bring him back. Where's Jim Corrigan? He's trying to he's trying to go to hell. He's trying to go to prison. He's trying to get away. He went to Tartarus to try to be taken in jail. He's like, listen, I don't, I'm done with this. I'm done with life. Like, lock me up, please. So he goes to Themyscira. He's like, throw me in Tartarus. And of course, Themyscira, they're more than happy to do that for him. So he's done. Spectre's like, nah, nah, you're not, I'm not done with you yet. I'm God. You come back. And he doesn't know where he's at, so he's losing control. So Diana, the Wonder Woman, goes to Justice and says, listen, we got to go to Themyscira. We, I have an idea. We need to go get him back. And they go there. And as they go there, Aquaman and them are like, wait a second. Like, we're, we're a bunch of men. It's, it's one. It's just you. Are we supposed to be here? And Anna's like, no, you're not supposed to be. Like, if we get found, yeah, I'm getting killed, and I'm getting killed for bringing you down here. And the very next page, what happens? They're found. <laughs> and so that is where it heads off. So it's interesting. I'm, I like that they're using the Spectre. In a different way, at the very end, it shows them just all surrounded right here. And you can see, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a wrap, you know? And they're like, and you can see, like, okay, I like how they're going to bring the Spectre in. I like that they're going to delve into Jim Corrigan a little bit more and his relationship with and of the Spectre and how that refers to the Justice League and how much of a, you know, he's, he's, he's God, essentially, so he's always kind of omniscient in the background, but always around. And the fact they're going to use him as more of a character to explore in this is interesting to me. I wonder how it ties in with the mascara and everything else, as it usually does with Diane and Wonder Woman. And so I'm intrigued. Again, it feels like I picked up three books today that were all solid starting points to interesting series, and only time will tell because they all have suspect track records of whether or not I'll get what I'm looking for. But right now, my interest is definitely peaked. Um, I would give it a three and a half out of five. Um, it's pretty solid. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. And some of the artwork by Barrows was really interesting. Like I said, that first splash page between Batman and Superman facing off while the Spectre's in the background, that was a gorgeous shot. So um, three out of five out of ten. There you go. Three out of five out of ten, huh? But three out of five <laughs> out of cool, ten. Cool, man. <laughs> 3.5 out of ten. You get what I mean. No, it's 3.5 so, yeah. out of five, but... <laughs> 3.5 out of five. Oh, flip. Oh, I forgot. Dude, my brain. There's so much going on. I'm so confused. 3.5 out of five. My bad. That made it sound like a horrible, great book, didn't it? I'm it a, was trash. I liked it. No, I'm, I'm a couple issues behind on, on Justice League, um, but I I really like what Venditti's been doing with it. As, as opposed, a lot of people might get really angry at this, but I like what he's been doing as opposed to what Scott Snyder did with his title because... He, I don't know, man. I don't know what I, happened there. <laughs> I what you mean? I like that everyone's getting a little bit of spotlight. I like that it's going on the league as a whole. It's not just you know certain creative teams and certain talents aren't meant for certain books. We talked about yeah. this last year too. You know what works for you as a strength here does not work for you strength here. I'm gonna tick Matt off here, but Tom King. You know, you know, <laughs> anything else? You don't say anything else. I was talking. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to somebody about. um about you and Batman, Corbin, uh-huh. and uh, it, okay, I was, it was Lance. Okay, and I, I, he was he was like he was saying yeah because I was telling him about um, how you liking Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. and then he's like oh you know what he's like Corbin is is just a huge Batman fan he likes anything Batman I'm like okay okay you know what you mentioned Tom <laughs> King to Corbin next time you talk to Corbin mention Tom King and you'll yeah. see how much of a you know. 
that that said the wrath of Corbin. Yeah, <laughs> still a phrase from uh, from uh, the flagship absolute geek. That sir is a incorrect statement. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, no, that's not true. But yeah, you, uh, thank you for that. You know, Jay. You know, it's not. Oh, it's I not, know, man. And I think that Scott Snyder, great talent, amazing talent. No, I, I also agree with you. I did not in, particularly enjoy his Justice League run, and and that's why you know certain books appeal to certain people. I was reading an article. Um, yesterday in Old Wizard Magazine about um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name, Jeff Johns, and how he preferred uh, B-list heroes that he could do more with and develop more than the flagship heroes that he's decent with. As we know, he's pretty good, but he just doesn't feel comfortable with. Everyone has their niche and what they click with, and and you're right. So to bounce, give it back to you, obviously, Venditti. Yeah, he's been really good. Yeah, man, well, someone's got to start Wizard back up again. Sheesh, for real, <laughs> for real. I am a wizard junkie, yo. But yeah, I, I, it's sad that it's gone. It's sad that the market will not bring it back with the rise of clickbait and everything. I know we're going to tangent here and everything. Yeah, CBR, we already, yeah, bleeding cool and everything. But those were days, and I didn't even really get to fully realize them. I mean, I'm making up on it now, reading old boxes. I picked up a good box yesterday from from you know from Brian, and I was like. Wow, these are really, really good. Um, but yeah, it's it's so different how everything's changing that. Yeah. Yeah, you got a good Hall of Wizard yesterday, huh? Oh yeah, I got twenty something books. It was pretty nice. so, it was pretty solid of all wizard and a bunch of books that are on my next time baby list. Uh because uh, I, there's a run of Batman Nightfall. We could talk about that's a totally different story. But yeah, that, that was one fun <laughs> thing that happened this weekend. Like I give my weekend a B plus, not that anyone asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where we on? Where we at now? More books, buy or sell? Where we next we time, baby? Fire. Next time, baby. <laughs> Shout what out do to you, Iron What do you got next, Jay? Um, I read um, Doctor Afra, uh, number one, um, Marvel's Doctor Afra, and sh- this is a series that's been going on for a while. Um, is it this it's the number issue? One, so. Well, th- not this volume, but this. <laughs> Come you know, on, <laughs> she's had yeah, yeah. she's there? had different um, story arcs and storylines and volumes in the past. It's been going on for a while, and she's a character that's been, as far as I know, she's only been in comics. Um, she's never appeared live action, not even like in the background in Jabba's palace or anything. Or um, I don't think she's been in Clone Wars or. Um, yeah, I don't think she's been anything other than comics. So she is like a cross between like I want to say like like Laura Croft and um like Laura Croft and like Han Solo kind of thing, where she's kind of um she's an archaeologist and she her storylines kind of um intertwine with some of like the bigger star Wars arcs where, you you know, she'll be at places like right after some of the battles or during, you know, her, her path will cross with some of the other continuities. Um, And it's pretty cool the way they've, when you have a clever writer, there's a way that they can weave it in there where it's like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. Like, you know, you kind of use some of the, the other stories to, to feed off of hers kind of thing. And, and it's, it's been a fun read. Um, the last volume, sometimes it kind of got into like, um, 
you know, and I don't know how to put it lightly, and I'm not, so I'll just say it. They've kind of used it like a an avatar for an agenda. I'll say that. Okay. And it was kind of getting that way for a little bit, and so I stopped reading. And so when they when they redid her story with number one, um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll you know, it's a new creative team, so I'll pick it up, and it's it was pretty good. Um, again, it was just like your basic setup where, um, you know, she's kind of down on her luck and somebody offered her a job. And so now she's going to go do it. And they, you know, against, uh, uh, it was kind of like, it sort of reminded me of like the first Indiana Jones where, you know, you had Indy and going after the arc and then this other powerful, you know, guy, Belloc, with all his like virtually unlimited resources, you know, being hooked up with Nazis and stuff. And that's pretty much what it reminded me of. Um, so it was a quick, fun read, very fast paced. Um, so far I liked some of the other characters. My disappointment was, was in her previous, um, volumes, she had these two like psycho droids, um, BT and triple zero, which is like, they're like the anti, C-3PO and R2-D2 and they were like all black and they were like very homicidal they like loved killing humans <laughs> and as horrible as that sounds it was it was pretty funny like it, it was it's just they're awesome droids they're like super like um, they're just retrofitted with all sorts of weapons and, and stuff and um, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't see that but um, we did see um, her Wookiee pal, um, which uh, Black Chrysantha, and he was like this all black Wookiee with like a red stripe down one of his eyes. And he's pretty cool looking. Um, so that was that was fun. Um, but all in all, I, I'm going to give it a three. I'll probably stick in, you know, hold on for another few more issues and see if it gets a little bit more exciting. But as of right now, it was pretty, eh, you know, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't awesome, you know. Yeah. I'm going to kick that off to go to Marauders 10. Did you read Marauders? I did. Marauders 10. Um, so you saw in Marauders 10... Uh, it comes to the Krakoan Council's knowledge that there is a group of Russians that are making and um, basically bootlegging and black market selling Forge's uh, mutant power dampening technology and that he created when he was working for the U.S. government. Uh, Forge says he has since he was pretty sure that he deleted all the files for that, but there was one man that worked closely with him that had a photographic memory that uh, memorized his work and they believe that they, he has been kidnapped and he is being forced to help the Russians create this technology. So they dispatch the marauders to um, the, well, they bring it to the Krakoan council and the Krakoan council is pretty much like, you know, um, we should just leave this alone. This is more of a, a, a job for the X force and uh, then Magneto kind of is like, nah, that's not, how this is going to happen um, in, a, in a way. And he's like, this is a, more of a job for a telepath. And then she, he uh, contacts um, Emma Frost and the, 
they basically they intercept uh the the Russians and uh Iceman and Storm pretty much stop their ship and then they show up the rest of the marauders show up in a, a alien spaceship and uh they're boarded by Emma Frost and Pyro and Emma Frost uses sex to as a as a weapon as a deceptive deceptive weapon and she basically um dispatches them with with sex appeal by showing them her <laughs> boobies her her lady bits <laughs> and um they they get basically get back the guy um and then the that was working for the government and at the end of the book you see them all Bracca and Krakoa and they're they're talking about how to bring back Kitty Pride and they're they're saying that you know, Gold Balls is kind of like, I don't think there's a, a way to bring her back. Enough is enough. We just have to, you know, uh, come to terms with the fact that she's not going to be able to bring her back. And Krakoa is not going to let us resurrect Katie. And um, Charles Xavier is like, I agree for now. So please go to sleep. I'll inform the White Queen of my decision. And then the next issue is called uh, Funeral for a Mutant. So it looks like they're finally going to. Wow. It looks Second like part. the the death of Kitty Pride is holding strong as of right now. So, um, as far as an issue goes, I, I kind of give this one a two five. There wasn't a lot to it. It was clearly a it was clearly an issue just moving them on in to the next um, the next phase and kind of I think finally putting to bed the whole Kitty Pride thing and. And they're just trying. It was pretty much a filler issue to finally give you that confirm, final confirmation that they think Kitty Pride's dead, and they're going to move forward with with burying her. So there wasn't too much to it. Um, I kind of felt like it was very predictable that it was Russians that are using Forge's power damper technology. So it felt like it was a predictable play and and kind of a, an easy out. So I give that book a two five. I feel it. You blame the rush. Just predictive. Okay. What do you think of it, Jay? It was okay. Um, I, I really like the title of it. Send one of theirs to the morgue. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, do you guys ever see the Untouchables? Mm-hmm. Brian De Palma's Untouchables. Mm. That was awesome. I was like, good oh, shout out so to that. You caught that. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's like one of my favorite movies. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was, it was just, it just um it was very much a small slice of the plot moving forward so you know there wasn't a lot of revelation there wasn't a lot of you know nothing like matt said nothing really happened nothing really uh, it just it just just continue slowly plowing forward um that creep sebastian shaw still like running around acting like he didn't do anything nobody knows yeah but wasn't there an issue where it looked like Kitty Pride was like getting like loosening her like bands that when she was underwater? Wasn't there a few? Am I just like making this up in my own mind? Like, remember where there's like uh, what? No, his face? I know the, there was a like you saw because you see her drowning and then they get her body out. Bishop gets her body out and she's laying on a deck covered, and then you see Lockheed get taken out of like a fishing yeah. net. And Lockheed's back to life. And like the last issue I remember, because 
I mean, I I was almost like I need to go back and reread this stuff because I don't remember yeah. since the break. The last issue I remember, the final issue was Lockheed was was a dot was taken in by a little girl and basically nursed back to health, and he took off. And the last shot was Lockheed flying out of her house, and you thought you would think that he was going to go back to to Krakoa to find Kitty Pride, but they didn't even touch on that in this issue. Oh, okay. Then wow. I just made it up in my own head. Then, huh? Hey, it's been a well, while. She can't comics be dead. Can do that. <laughs> so, What's I mean, that? I said it's been a while. Comics, our brains can do that. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I don't remember it. You know? No, I think you're right. Because I do. I, I'm mixing up with. I remember Lockheed, like, like, yeah, when he got adopted in that new home, and then all of a sudden he got like this weird little spark in his eye, and he like took yep. off. Like mm-hmm. he knew something was, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to distinguish what's going on with that book because especially with like that long long break i know i'm like i need to go back and reread this but i don't want to go back and reread this to to try and figure out what is going on but like i said i think two five is for me but what what would you give it two five sounds about about right 2.5 out of 10 i concur out of five, my friend. Out of five, I, I was, it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! That's Learn cool. the ranking system, sir. I give it two and a half couch cushions. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you should have heard the explanation I got when I forgot their oh I heard their it. ranking system. I like, actually listened. Just yeah. tell me two out of five. You know, I'm like I don't care about oh you with the one cushion that tells you that you're leaning oh, one oh, way. No, I like the breakdown. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> like there was some actual thought process behind that one. That was funny. Yeah. I felt like just saying I don't care. You helped start. <laughs> you helped start this system. I know. Yeah, but that's why I bailed because I didn't want anything of it. No, <laughs> you were involved in the beta. No I'm kidding. I pushed the trap door on myself. Yeah, you totally did. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have any other any other books? That was it for me. Jay? Um, I just real quick wanted to just mention Basketful of Heads number seven. And I know you guys haven't read it. I know Matt says he's gonna pick it up on trade in the I'll trade, wait. so um, I'm not gonna say anything about how it ended. I'll just say um it ended and it was it was it satisfying. <laughs> and and Joe Hill um I mean I I can't even imagine what would happen if they put that dude on su- on a superhero book, um, because just just his placement, and that's probably a lot of the artists too. Just the the placement of the panels and how he chooses to reveal on each page, and it's just I don't know, man. That, that dude knows timing, you know, and, and you can even see it in in his books. Um, I'm, I've read some of his short stories, but I'm towards the end of Heart Shaped Box right now. And mm-hmm. my gosh, man, that, let's just say that book was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, people say it's, oh, it's just a really great ghost story. And, but man, it's, it's so good. So good. Um, so I'm excited for you guys to read it and I'm excited to hear what you guys think. I can't wait. I'm kind of. High. I was already peaked. I just 
missed a couple and then didn't want to go search. I'm like, you know, it's not something I'm going to go searching for. I'll wait to come back around. So I'm interested. And like you said, that panel work is huge, especially, you know, knowing how it's placed and everything. And someone who's a master horror and knows how to get the reader and to know how you're going to track it. In- I like that freeze of Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> that awesome freeze job of Corbin right there. That is great. <laughs> screenshot. Yep. Hard screenshot of the <laughs> freeze. He's gone. He is gone, ladies and gentlemen. Well, is he gone? To pick up the slack on on Corbin's monster freeze right there, so you can just sit there and and look at that view. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go Rogue Planet. Rogue Planet was an interesting book. It is in Oni Press or Oni Press um, book number one. Uh, it was an interesting pickup. It was a pickup just because I was like, "Ooh, that kind of looks interesting." By the cover, there's mm-hmm. the cover of it. Um, it follows like it opens up with an, an alien race sacrificing his son to this planet. It looks like like this beast. You're not really sure what it is, um, and then it shows this this crew that is answering a distress signal. Um, they're coming from out of space. They come out of hypersleep. They're answering this distress signal, and their whole thing is to basically salvage, um, salvage wrecks for for parts and for uh, you know, kind of pillage and space pirate and booty, basically loot them. And so they they get this distress signal, and they're following them, and they they land, and they're going to go loot, and they come across this like ship graveyard in this planet. Right there. Oh, cool. All these ships, and they're trying to figure out what ship the the distress signal is coming from, and they're going to start looting ships, and they, they kind of feel like a presence set. There's someone around, and they see all this, like, alien writing all over the place in, in blood, and they come across the this giant beast, which is like a giant set of lungs, and then all of a sudden the thing rises out of the planet, and it's very, like, worm-like with a bunch of mouths, and it Crazy. starts it starts attacking <laughs> the crew. And then as it's killing them, it's injecting into and choking out some of the the crew and injects the itself into their spacesuits. And the final issue of the book is it taking over their bodies and marching towards the, the remaining surviving crew. Um, hmm. It's a pretty interesting book. I'm going to get a three out of five. It's a book that I'll definitely uh, check out issue two just because issue one kind of intrigued me at the end. Um, I picked it up on a whim. Uh, so I'm going to definitely, I'll, I'll give it at least another issue to see if it continues to intrigue me. But I got to say my book of the week, and I'm, I've been actually really looking forward to talking about this book, is an Aftershock book um, called Dead Day. So it is a different take on the zombie genre. It is a zombie book, but it's it's almost like uh, The Walking Dead meets The Purge. Uh, so the premise of this book is that's a good um, way of putting that. I, I read that too. That's a that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you, you read Dead Day. Uh huh. What? Yeah, it's like The Walking Dead meets The Purge, and it it follows this family, and the family is. Uh, they're, they're having a discussion about Dead Day and how the mom's going to go out for Dead Day and the dad and the kids are going to stay home. And it kind of just follows – the first issue kind of just follows their preparation for that and her getting ready to go. She buys ammunition and, and stuff. And you see like they come home and you see the neighbor sacrifice a goat and put the goat blood around the door to kind of keep the spirits away. And, and what Dead Day is is it's one time a year. They don't know why. 
and they don't know how it happens, but one time a year, there's something that's perfect alignment to where the dead arise from your, the grave, and they get to come back un, from sunup until sundown, or from sundown until sunup. And uh, they, you know, that not, and it's usually your loved ones, it's family members that come back, and um, they they keep referencing to the mom waiting for someone to come back, and and. The, the main the, the dad in the story is kind of like he didn't come back the year last year the year before that what makes you think he's going to come back this year and she's kind of like well I don't know but I made a promise that I have to keep and I need to be there and so she goes about her business and she goes and what you see is that she was once in a lifetime before this engaged to a man and he somehow apparently died. We don't know how he died, but she somehow apparently died. And so she's been waiting for him to come back and she goes out and she's waiting for him. And as she's sitting on this bench, a motorcycle rolls up and he gets on and, um, he, he basically says, come on now, get on, uh, let's go kill somebody. And he gets on, you know, she gets on his bike and they take off and that's kind of how it ends. And then, the end of the book even gives you like this whole like information on dead day and what it is and how to prepare yourself. And so it, it's very much like the purge. Like you see the purge for the, you know, the, the time frame thing as far as when it takes place and how people kind of treat it and react to it. Some are, some are scared, some aren't. Um, but like you said, it brings back family members and it, it pretty much brings back the dead for, for a few hours every time, every year. And it's in the same day every year. And, it was a very interesting book. I'm really looking forward to issue two. It had enough to grab me for issue one, but left me questioning enough to want to come back for issue two. So I actually give this book a four or five out of five. I would say if you're into the, if you're like the walking dead and you need a, and you need something to fill that hole, if you were a week or uh, monthly reader of the walking dead and you missed that book, um, zero year that we talked about last week was good. And then Day of the Dead is also a good filler. And I kind of like that, like I said, that new twist where you get very much those Walking Dead but Purge feelings as well. So what, what did you feel about it, Jay? I surprisingly really liked it. Um, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Um, but um, first of all, the, the art was really great in this. And I loved how... The, the character development um, of this family, um, you know, you really got a sense of, of who, who they are and, and they're just a regular family who have this, you know, like Matt was saying on, on the day of the dead, there's a dark secret there and you're, you're intrigued to want to know what it is. And I thought the interesting part of the whole zombie thing is, is that they're not, I, anyway, I could be wrong and correct me if I'm wrong, but I got the impression that they're not all out to just like eat human flesh. Right. Yeah. They're, they're out there to, they have something connecting them yeah, to, 
Wait, go ahead. No, I was going to say they make that reference in the comic that they're not out there to eat flesh and destroy. They, it's like that people look at it like they have unfinished business. Yeah, and, and, and that might spell danger to some right. because like you were saying, that guy that sacrificed that goat and put like the goat blood, blood around there. Yeah. They, I mean, he said, hey, man, because I was a soldier. Something like I was a soldier in Iraq. I killed plenty of people. Yeah. Some of these guys are probably going to come after me now. That's right. why I'm yeah. – I'm, doing this so you know they come back you know the average person didn't do anything you know whatever doesn't really have much to worry about on day of the dead um but yeah it's pretty creepy that the zombies do come back or dead day yeah (laughs) um i'm i'm pointing it to my own people i guess (laughs) makes me a little uh i don't know pixar movie um but yeah it's it was good man it was really good um i i give it I'll give it a three point five. Um, I'll I'll be back for sure like a next time. Score than me, huh? Yeah, because it was fun, but I just, you know, like like you were saying, it's it's so. I I I hope we don't get twenty XX out of this. You know, yeah. where the first issue was so strong and then it just went. I don't think you, know. you will though, because I think there's so much to this book that's still left you questioning, like. You know that that whole thing you were talking about, like what is the reasoning for these people, for these the dead coming back? What is their reason they're coming back? And you see the the soldier guy, and he was like, you know, they're gonna come and get me. So you kind of see that, like, what is the reason that she's waiting for her boyfriend to come back? How did he die? What yeah. what is the premise of all that? You know, and and then you have the whole religious aspect of it, where they have uh, groups of revivalists and. They throw parties in graveyards, and there's. I think there's just so much to this book that it it it. I don't think it will allow itself to twenty XXS, and I think it, it <laughs> wants you like to. Yeah, it wants you to come back, and it it leaves you. It gives you just enough to leave you hungry for more, and question more, and want to come back for more. So that's why it was my pick of the week. It was the the most fun book I read all week, other than Avengers. Um, I really liked it, and I, like I said, I'll definitely be back for issue two, hands down. Yeah, and and I know you said that. Um, what was the other year zero? Zero um, year? Or zero, why don't you know everything? Zero year. Yeah, zero year. Um, was kind no, of no, maybe it was be, year zero. No, you're right. It was zero year zero. I'm getting it mixed up. Okay, so I know you were saying you know there was a lot of talk about year zero being like the next Walking Dead, but mm-hmm. it, I think it was a little bit too close. If if there is like a next Walking Dead, you know, in quotes, Hopefully I not. think it'll be something like this. Shut your mouth, because it's, it's, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a little bit far enough removed, but still has that. It's a in my I've never seen a take on on the whole zombie thing like this before. I think it's totally original and it's just an awesome idea. And I think something can really be made out of this. Oh yeah, it's definitely um, it is hands down definitely a different take on on the zombie genre for sure yeah because it, instead of coming back being just a murderous eating machine it gives it gives the zombies purpose almost and you kind of that's one of the things that intrigues me is it's kind of like what is this purpose what are the purposes they're coming back for and they, they can spin it in many different directions so yeah and they have like their their consciousness still yeah you know not like you know like trained to busan kind of right like they're crazy killing machines you yep. know mm-hmm. but 
I'm super. That's interesting. I was super impressed with it. But all right, so that'll do it for the reviews. Uh, let's move on to the portion of our show where we do uh, buy or pass, where we talk about the next week's books that are coming out, the hot titles that are coming out next week, and we give you our opinion whether we're going to buy or pass on them. Uh, remember, Marvel schedule, Marvel shipping schedule is there is no new books this week. It is all trades. So if you're a Marvel fan, next week, no new books the following week. So uh, new books come out on the 4th, or no, sorry, 3rd of June. You will get the return of new release Marvel books on the 10th of June. So June 10th is when you can expect Marvel again. So we'll go with, um, let's see, let's kick this off here, going through, boom, Red Mother number five. Ooh, yes. That's a buy for me. That's going to be a buy Definitely. for Jay. Looks like a pass for Corbin. <laughs> uh, it's really just a pass because I'm not really sure of, uh, I got to do some more research on what it is. We've only reviewed the first four issues on the show, Corbin. Where have you been? <laughs> uh, probably checked out. No, you said Red Mother. Yes, <laughs> probably checked out. That's right. No, when did we review it? Last episode? When did we review it? No, we did. It's been Jay a while. I, yeah, Jay and I were reviewing oh, well, it before when the, I was working double time shifts. Pandemic. Because I'll tell you, if it was during that time, then no, I, I think, think some of them were. Yeah. Okay. See, then I would explain why, Matt. So maybe <laughs> some people have to work for a long playing. Um, but no, uh, I will go back and listen to your glowing reviews. I'm sure, and then yeah, I will also pick fine. it up. Uh, moving, on to, moving on to DC Action Comics 1022. I will be there. That's I possibly pass. will also. That's a pass. It depends. I gotta look and see what I think about it, but ultimately, I'm intrigued. I guess. Aquaman 59. I have to catch up, man. I, I'm like four or five issues behind on Aquaman, so I'll probably get it, but I won't read it yet. That'll be a pass for me, Corbin. Uh, no, I'm not doing that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, super, uh, Batman Superman number nine. No, I'm probably going to grab that one. I'm passing that one. Yeah, I'm passing those. Birds of Prey number one. Uh, it's number one. <sighs> Maybe. Maybe if it's number one, but if it's based on the movie, boo. I mean, I don't know if based on the movie, but if it has same characters, like if it's in the same vein as the movie, then yeah. it'll probably pass. Be a big passeroni for me. Catwoman <laughs> 22. You said Catwoman? Yes. Mm, I'll probably pass. I will possibly also do the same, but not for like, just not. I have to look again. These are some of the books I'm re looking in. Yeah, I'm so glad you're re looking in. So, like, you're being. <laughs> you froze. You froze. And now. Am I back now? now? Yeah, okay, now you're back with a monstrous delay. Because you have to understand, you have to understand what well, my Wi-Fi sucks right now. But you have to understand that I with the delay and stuff, a lot of it is going back into these books. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. A lot of stuff's going back in these books, and that is what I'm saying. Like right now, if I was going to stick to my normal Batman titles in one or two books, I'd have one book a week right now. So when I say reassess, yeah, for the sake of like looking at some books for the this show and just my comic book reading, I have to look at some titles that I previously would not have looked at in order to enhance my reading experience as a comic fan. It's on the list to be reassessed. The Catwoman 100-page 80th anniversary spectacular. Um, You have covers from uh, Joel Jones, Adam Hughes, uh, Stanley Art Germ. Everyone knows Art Germ. Frank Cho, 
J. Scott Campbell, uh, Delato, and Jim Lee. Is that that's probably going to be a ten dollar book? Just so everyone's the, the Jim Lee. One. Oh, oh yeah. No, J. The, Scott the, Campbell. Hundred page anniversary <laughs> issue period is going to be uh, probably a ten dollar book. I wouldn't be surprised. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, there also is a Jin Yang Lee and a J. Um, blank variant. So, hmm. yeah. I would. Are you going to be picking that up? Uh, I'm not. No, I'm not a big fan of these 80th anniversaries issues. I think it can be a sweet tribute to you know whatever, um, like the character of the time. I picked up the Rob, but I picked. I, I find myself possibly looking into it. Catwoman's not super high on my list. I mean, she's okay as a character, but I find myself liking these like almost love letters to these characters over the time. The stories themselves have been lackluster to me, but sometimes it brings back classic creators from that time. So I think it's worth a look. Um, I'm hedging as to whether or not I'll be getting it, though. And that's exactly what they are. Like you said, they're love letters to the character. You're hedging, so. huh? What are you yeah, because hedging? I'm hedging on the fact that I like the history of the character, and I, I like, as Jay was saying, the love letters to it. But I don't love that character. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know? <laughs> so for me, yeah, Robin was close enough. Batman's a given. Catwoman, now we're getting into weeds. So they said Alfred, I'd say no. You know, just because <laughs> just because it's a testament of of, of 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 tribute and admiration doesn't mean I have to be like, oh yeah, let's do it. No. Uh Detective Comics 1022. I will be there. It's gonna be a big pass for me. Got to, got to, got to. Do down down. What? <laughs> Flash 754. No. I'll be there. <laughs> John, I'm telling you. <laughs> sorry, Jay's going to supply a lot of next week's spinner rack for real. Flash well, has actually been pretty four. good lately. John Constantine Hellblazer number six. Mm, possibly. Possibly. Before the whole coordinating thing, I, I grabbed a bunch of. I, I think I grabbed them all so far of the, of the Hellblazer and. Um, I haven't read them yet. I haven't read them yet, but they're 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 really interesting stories, and they're they're. But he hasn't I read love, any of them. No, I have. <laughs> but I, just, I, like I haven't read any of them. I haven't read any of them, but they're really interesting stories. Too dark is what I was trying to say. Oh. They're all you know. Before I was interrupted. <clears throat> anyway, oh yeah, that, that's what you were trying to say before you were well, interrupted. Eloquent speak was. <laughs> Rudely just shut down. Rudely disjointed. Oh, yeah. Now I don't remember what I was going to say. No, but reading uh, Constantine books when they're written by uh, somebody who is British is it just puts such an awesome feel. It's like you feel more like immersed with the character because sometimes they'll say it's like watching like Snatch sometimes. Like I'm sitting there reading, I'm like, what is these? Because they'll spell it out like phonetically, like the way they're saying stuff. And I'm like, what? And I'm sounding it out. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, or using <laughs> slang, you know, like uh, like in Attack the Block or something. You know, you're like, oh, okay. You know, okay, I get it. But it's just different, a little different. But it's cool. It's it's a neat book. Um, I just don't know if I can take that much darkness. Apparently, I know somebody who needs a scholarship to the Derek Zoolander School for kids who can't read very good or want to read very good, do other things very good too. Um, Justice League Dark Twenty Two. Pass. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Pass. Uh, pass. pass. 
Uh, I know Corbin's going to pick up Scooby-Doo, where are you, number 104, so I don't even have to ask that one. Is that a reassessment title for you? <laughs> oh, oh it's, been it's, it's been reassessed, and the word is yes, please. <laughs> Shazam 12. Pass, uh, pass. Wonder Woman 756. I'll probably get that. Uh, reassessed. Uh, Next time, maybe. I mean, that's pretty much, um, other than IDW, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Road to 100 Deluxe Edition, hardcover, pass on that. Next time, baby. Um, that's pretty much it. Next week. Uh, it's a week. It's light. Yeah, it's good. It, it is a very um, light week. It's nice uh, to have those every now and again. I don't know what I'm going to have next week. I'm going to have to take a look. I'm probably going to pick up some number ones. Um, some number ones that are coming out next week. For you to maybe be aware of is uh, Nailbiter Returns, number one from Image. Um, uh, possibly there's some uh, Boys Dear Becky, number one from Dynamite. Dear uh, Becky. Yeah. Nancy, what is that? Uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Death mm. of Nancy Drew, number one, comes out next <gasps> week. Maybe. Okay, okay. They're getting a little dark down there in the Jewverse. <laughs> Yeah, there's not uh, there's not a whole lot. Uh, the the boys, dear Becky. So it's a it's a new installment of the the boys. Oh. Um, Twelve years after the events of the boys, uh, Huey finds himself back home in Scotland, uh, where he intends to finally marry Annie, in the company of friends and family. But a sudden appearance of dot dot dot. Dun, dun, dun. So I will probably definitely pick up that because I really like the boys series. So there you go. If you're a fan of the boys, they have a ne their next installment launches next week. So it's something to keep your eye out for. Pumped for that, though. I know I am. But Especially um, they deviated from the comics. Yeah. So that'll that does it. Are you guys got anything else you want to say this week? That's all I got. I'm out. You're out. Jay's out. Tapped out. All right, guys. So I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of the Spinner Rack. Uh, Tales from the Spinner Rack. If you had a good time and you're watching this on YouTube on the playback, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Turn the notification bell on so you get notified whenever we go live every Sunday at 3 p.m. Almost said Saturday. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, make sure to catch out the Absolute Geek Podcast live every Friday night, 7.30 p.m. right here on this channel. Make sure to check out Jay on Audio Ammunition Podcast. Um, Corbin, make sure to check out Corbin's YouTube channel where he's breaking down comic book runs that he's really into and doing all kinds of awesome comic book stuff. Um, if you're listening to the playback on Tuesday, please make sure to hit that like subscribe button. Make sure to leave us a review as it helps us so much in the podcast standings. Um, guys, I just want to again, reiterate, thank you for listening to us. Uh, I know that it's crazy times out there. Uh, I hope everyone is staying safe. And I think the, the last sentiment to send it off with is just, what the the events that are going on all around the world or all around the US right now in every city and what everyone's dealing with is it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to hear about, to see um the fact that a man's life is gone is is heartbreaking. And just stay safe, keep it peaceful, and we'll see you guys next time. Remember to keep them packing the board and support your local comic shops. <laughs> I had to look at Corbin's face. <laughs> keep the pockets loaded. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep them pockets loaded. Oh, oh man. Yep. Yeah. All right, y'all. <laughs>